I mean, all of these wrongful conviction cases, ultimately the system works. People do want to tell their stories. You break the law, there are consequences. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to True Crime and Consequences. I'm Kari. And I'm Brian. And we are just a husband and wife shooting the shit about true crime. Hello, honey. Hello. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? It's been a minute. Yes. Yes, it has. Like a minute. And that's a big elephant in the room we should probably address. Yeah, probably be a good idea. Yeah, it's been like a month-ish. Audience, I am very sorry about that. Uh, The first week that we didn't have a new episode, um, I was having some health issues and I just wasn't feeling it. You know, my... I don't know if I've ever mentioned it. Have I mentioned it that I have a bunch of stupid chronic health conditions? I don't think we've ever addressed it on the podcast. Well, I do, and I'm not going to go into details. If you guys want to know, feel free to ask. Send me an email, whatever. I will, I'm an open book, but I don't want to bore you with the details. But I have a lot of illnesses, and they got the better of me that first week. And a little bit into the second week that we didn't have a new episode. And then I think I just was stalling a little bit because, I mean, not that first week, but the subsequent like three weeks, I think I was stalling a bit because the next part of this case of the Stephen Avery, Brendan Dassey case really just, I don't, uh, it, it gets me, it hurts me. It hurts my heart. I can't like, it just sucks. So, and you'll all understand why. If you've seen Making a Murderer, you know why. But um, if you haven't, you'll understand when we get into it. But it is definitely um, a sad situation. And um, it's it's very emotionally taxing to talk about. Um, part of the reason is a lot of the aspects of Brendan Dassey remind me of our youngest son in in just his innocence and his you know, his quiet kind of sweet demeanor, you know what I mean? Like he just, there's a lot of aspects of him that remind me of Christian and it just, it makes it hurt that much more to see how terribly he was treated and manipulated, you know? Yeah. He's, he comes across in a way like our son, as far as being quiet, Mm -hmm. being a pleaser and being very trusting. Of, of literally anyone. And Christian's the same way, and that that scares the shit out of me, to be honest with you. Like, it scares me. So, but, you know, I try to, to teach him, but some, these are just, you can't change character traits. These are just who these, who these kids are, you know? And, I, well, I mean, Brendan's not a kid anymore, but he was at the time. Um, also, I have a really, really sad update for um, the West Memphis Three case. I'm sure some of you probably know if you, I mean, if you're here, you follow true crime, and and if you're here, you're probably familiar with the case. So you probably heard that John Mark Byers, stepfather slash adoptive father of Chris Byers, passed away on June 18th in a single car crash in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. And the only solace I can take... Now, I think I mentioned it, that I had had the pleasure of speaking to him a few times over the years, and... Contrary to how I felt about him in the very beginning when I was younger, uh, seeing the first two Paradise Lost documentaries where he was just, um, how can I put this nicely? 
suspicious. The way he presented himself made him very suspicious. And um, I actually really disliked him for a very long time. And then um, I got to talking with him on Facebook. And it was around the time he'd already started changing his opinion of what was happening and, and that he had been duped by law enforcement just like everybody else. And uh, he was starting to believe that Damien and Jason and Jesse were innocent. And so we got into some um, private messages on on Facebook, and he was just so sweet and kind, and I apologized to him for judging him and, and uh, disliking him when I obviously had... I didn't know him personally. I had no right to judge him or dislike him. He'd lost his flipping son, and then his wife died. So it was like, you know, like a cluster F of crap that this man went through and then he was convinced that those boys killed his son and and the two friends so you know I I was too quick to judge but I mean you saw Paradise Lost and and the first the first one was uh, definitely edited in a way that made him come across even more well and he admitted it too like in conversations with me and in the third Paradise Lost film he was like yeah I pointed the target right at myself like just by acting the way I was acting, but you know, I was grief stricken and frustrated and you know, it just, it all came out wrong and I'm a kind of a dramatic person anyway. So, and I'm like, yeah, I could tell. And he was like, you know, so that's just how I was at the time. He's like, I've mellowed out a lot with age and, and new information and more understanding of what, at least what didn't occur, which is that Damien, Jason and Jesse did not kill his son. And Pam Hicks, formerly Hobbs, uh, Stevie's mom, feels the same way. So they were kind of on the same bandwagon. And when Damien and, and all them got out of prison, they hung out together, all of them. So well, I, not uh, Michael Moore's parents. They're still to this day convinced that, that the West Memphis Three did it. But that's neither here nor there at this point. Um, but talk about a, a sad freaking update. The only thing I can say that I take any solace in at all is he's with Christopher and Melissa, his late wife now, and he knows the truth. All three of them do. They know the truth now. They know who killed, you know, Chris and Stevie and Michael. I wish they could tell us somehow, (laughs) you know, but that's not how uh, the afterlife works. So, yeah, um, so rest in peace, Mark. Um, I really, really did love you there at the end, and I hope you found some peace with Chris and Melissa. And my love and support goes out to everyone who loved Mark and and Chris and Melissa, of course, and I hope that they are doing okay. So that's the update on uh, the West Memphis 3 case. What a bummer update. Yeah, it's kind of a... I will, not, I will not lie. I cried when I found out because he really was such a sweet guy. And I, I, you know, I don't, I don't have any idea what happened. I know it was a single vehicle accident and it was on a road that from what I heard, um, is really common for accidents to occur on cause it's really windy and it was at night and it was dark and he probably just lost control and <clears throat> the damage to the vehicle was really bad though. I really wish I hadn't looked at those pictures. It wasn't fun to look at. Anyway, So, um, yeah, please rest in peace, Mark Byers. We miss you. 
and uh, tell our boys up there that we are still fighting for justice for them. And one day we will get justice for them. So that's the update on that. Now we get to move on to an even more depressing topic. (laughs) I don't want to do this. I know. But uh, we're going to talk about Brendan Dassey, which was Stephen Avery's nephew, son to his sister Barb, and her ex-husband Peter Dassey. He wasn't involved at all at first. Like when, when Teresa was killed and then all the investigation of Stephen and Stephen's property began, Brendan wasn't involved at all. Brendan was just, he lived on the property and happened to be Stephen's nephew. Um, he was questioned briefly and, you know, like all the family on the property was, did you see Ms. Halbach here? Did you see her vehicle? Well, Brendan hadn't seen anything because he was at school all day. And he said, you know, he just told him when I got home from school, I, you know, went in my house. I hung out for a while. Um, a couple people called me, so I talked to them. And then my mom had to go because she had to go meet up with Scott, which is his... Um, Stepfather, although I don't think him and Barb were married at the time. I don't think. So it would have been his mom's boyfriend. And then Stephen called later in the evening, asked if he wanted to come over for a Halloween like bonfire type thing, you know, kind of a common practice on Halloween. You have bonfires and barbecues and whatever. They lived out in the middle of nowhere, so trick-or-treating isn't exactly something that you can comfortably do. Like you'd have to be picked up by somebody and go into town or whatever. And and uh, I guess someone had invited him to do that, but he chose not to, he didn't feel like going. Probably because he was, you know, 16 and, and was like, I'm too old for trick-or-treating now. The girls will think I'm stupid. Yeah, that's always a concern. Right, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You know, so he said he went over there. They rode around in the golf cart, picked up some like trash from the yard threw it on the fire, hung out until his mom got home from work. And then his mom told him to come home and he went home and he went to bed. Sounds pretty simple. That's the, I mean, there's, pro, there's a few little details here and there that he put in there, but I mean, I'm giving you just the Reader's Digest version of, of what he said. And the reality of the situation is this. Contrary to all of the testimonies and videos and transcripts other than what I firmly believe were his coerced and manipulated confessions his story has actually never changed so the this his original story stays the same it's the confession they gave the police that's different than the original right? confessions plural more than one okay right well because they kept talking to him until they got what they wanted. But you'll see when we get there. So, yeah, he, um, technically, his story has never changed. Like, he still to this day, as a 27-year-old man, tells the same story. I mean, you know, so, and he told the police that in the beginning. And it wasn't like it was a taped thing or they just took notes, you know, because it was just the cops talking to everybody, right? So it was casual, it's the usual first interview. Right. So it was it was relatively casual and it wasn't really a recorded thing. Well, jump ahead to February 27th. I should jump a little back just a hair. 
apparently somewhere in between early November of 2005 and late February of 2006, the police received information, I believe it was from a school official, that Kayla Avery, another one of Stephen's family members, it was a niece, I believe she's the daughter of Earl. Yeah, Kayla's Earl's daughter. And they were told that Kayla might have some information. So they question Kayla. And Kayla tells them that Brendan has been really upset lately. Brendan has lost a lot of weight lately. And then somewhere in the course of talking to her, it morphs into Brendan told me he saw body parts in the bonfire. I like just all this crazy shit that really didn't make any sense, but okay. So they decide, based on what Kayla is telling them, that they are going to go talk to Brendan again. You look like you have a question in your... I'm just piecing things together in my head here. It's oh, been okay. a while, so I'm getting okay. stories and trying to remember so, details so from Kayla, previous. Kayla, Brendan's cousin, is telling the police all these things. That he's been upset, that he's lost weight, that he's... And then somehow it comes around to he allegedly told her that he saw body parts in the bonfire on Halloween. But nobody else did? Like... <laughs> How many people were there? I, I have no idea. That is not a piece of information I've ever been able to find. So I really don't know how many people were there. It may have just been Stephen and Brendan. I honestly don't know. But I don't think so. Like, I think there were other people involved, but maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, the point is, this, of course, triggered them to have another conversation with Brendan. Which Obviously. is completely understandable. Like, you know, so on February 27th, they go over to Mishicot High School to speak to Brendan. It turns on February 27th, they actually spoke to him three separate times. So the first time they went to his school, basically dragged him out of class and talked to him at the school. And he told them the same story that he told them the first time for the most part. There were a few little things that were different here and there that they, the police, they just, it, it made them jump to the conclusion that he's hiding something, that he's not telling them the whole story, that this and that and the other thing. So they questioned him again at the Two Rivers Police Department. Kind of the same thing happens, only this time there's a little more prodding from the police and, and things are getting a little muddier, you know, as it goes. Um, then the police decide that because they think they're getting or going to get more information from Brendan, they are now concerned, quote, for his life. Because Stephen's not in jail yet at this point. So I think, I can't remember the, all the dates. There's so many dates I can't remember. But the point is, so they decide they're going to take Brendan and his mom, Barb, to the Fox Hills Resort overnight, paid for by them. And it's like a, it, it's kind of like a Grey Wolf Lodge kind of thing or something. Put him up in a room so they can talk to him and he can feel free to tell them everything because no one can get to them. Right? Okay. Okay. So throughout all this, still, the story is, 
It's slowly morphing, but it's morphing at the prodding of the police. But it's still not enough. What they've been getting so far is still not enough to really, you know, add any new charges or have, you know, a witness for the um, prosecution or anything like that. After the February 27th questioning, they question him again on March 1st at the police station in Manitowoc for four hours. And I watched the whole damn thing. It is the most upsetting, frustrating, anger-inducing questioning I've ever seen. And I watched every confession that Jesse Miss Kelly made. And I'm still more angry about Brendan than any case I've ever seen of someone being coerced into confessing something. It is infuriating. I can't, like, I watched the whole thing. In fact, I watched two separate over three-hour questioning of Brendan. I don't even want to call it questioning. I don't even know. It's spoon-feeding him a story. So you wouldn't call it questioning or interrogating. It's more of a I would steering? call it interrogating slash steering. That's what I would call it. Because, oh, I can't. So you got Special Agent Wiegert and Special Agent Fassbender from the Calumet County Sheriff's Office. And they start out, they, so first they go to his school and they take him out of school again. Okay, on March 1st. So they go to the school, they take him out of school, they take him to the police station, and it's the usual nicety, nicety, nicety. Do you want a soda? Do you want some food? Are you okay? Is everything all right? You know, I mean like buddy, buddy, buddy. You know what I mean? Like we're your friends. We just want to know what, what really happened. Everything's going to be okay. We're on your side. Nothing bad's going to happen to you. How old is he at this point? 16. Was his parents aware this was happening at this point? This particular questioning, yes, Barb knew about it. They claimed, the police claimed, that they asked her permission to talk to him. She claims they did not ask her permission. They told her they were talking to him. And they never told her that she could be in the room they never told her that she could contact an attorney. They, you know, this is her claim, though. There's no proof one way or the other which way that went. But Barb's claim is that they didn't give her the option to be in the room with him. They claim she gave them permission. But it's he said, she said, because they, it's not like they make you sign a freaking document or something saying that you're allowing them to talk. You know what I mean? So it's he said, she said. The cops say one thing, she says another. I'm inclined to believe Barb. Because I know how this works from personal experience. We both have. So I'm inclined to believe Barb, but who really knows? I think the police, in some cases that um, I'm aware of, it's more of a, we're going to question them. And if you don't say absolutely positively no, then you're giving permission in their eyes. Exactly. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. So during this interrogation slash steering session. <laughs> That's what we're going to call it from now on. I'll probably forget. I'll just call it interrogation at some point. But so they, at the beginning, especially, they are repeatedly telling him, we're on your side. You're going to be okay. We're going to go to bat for you. 
Be honest. Be honest. Be honest. Over and over. So basically what would happen is they would steer him in a certain direction. And then he still didn't know what to say. So he would just blurt out whatever he could based on their steering. And instead of saying, we think you're lying or whatever, every time that would happen and you could tell they were getting frustrated because they weren't getting the answer they wanted, they'd say, be honest. We need honesty, Brendan. Be honest. So honest is what we want to hear. What we want you to tell us. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And there's people who are going to argue with us in the comments on this. There's people who are going to probably send us nasty grams. Oh, real quick, side note, haters and guilters, don't bother. I will delete you and I will block you. I don't got time for your negativity. I don't need it. I don't want it. Nothing I say is going to change your opinion. Nothing you say is going to change mine. And insulting my intelligence certainly isn't going to sway me in your direction. So don't even bother. Okay, end rant. <laughs> Sorry, we got some comments on a couple of them. Uh, West Memphis 3 ones it, that... It was all the West Memphis 3. It was all by the same person. And yeah. Look, I'm not naive. Okay, let me make something clear. I know that it is possible that these people are guilty. Okay, I know that it is still possible, however highly unlikely, that the West Memphis Three could have been guilty. They're not, but it's possible that they could be. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's possible. Po- yeah. But taking statements and isolated facts out of context to try and make your point doesn't work. No, not at all. And on top of that, like I said, insulting my intelligence will get you nowhere. Calling me a dumbass and other choice names while trying to sway me to your opinion, that ain't how you do it, y'all. Don't bother. That's all I'm saying. Also, you will never convince me that these people are guilty. I acknowledge there is a possibility but you will never convince me and my heart and my mind that they are. Okay. Are we good? Are we clear? Are we done? We're, we're going through this. She's explaining the the facts and her opinion. And I'm bouncing off giving my interpretation of the facts as I hear them from her. And most of the stuff I don't already know. So this is kind of just my honest reaction in the moment. Right. Also, um, I do leave stuff out. Because if I didn't, we'd be on the same topic for like six months. You know what I'm saying? Like I leave stuff out that I consider unimportant or that just seems repetitive because the the basic premise of it was covered elsewhere. So I tend to, I do leave things out. So all of you people who were nitpicking and throwing, like you forgot to mention this and you forgot to mention that. Do you know how long this episode would, these episodes would be if I put in every single detail of every single police report? that I read, uh-uh, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I taper it down to the bare necessities and things that I feel are important and I want to commentate on. And the basic gist, you know, of, of what happened. We're trying to, to get the story of how it happened across and the, the facts necessary to interpret that. And give our opinions. Yeah. Right, exactly. Commentary. It's a beautiful thing. 
Okay, where was I? (laughs) Honesty. Be honest, Brendan. 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 Be honest. We know that's not true, Brendan. We know what happened. We know what happened. Over and over again. You don't know shit, guys. Not shit. You know nothing at this point. Literally nothing. Yeah, they don't have anything at this point. Not, no, nothing that's worth anything in a court of law. They have nothing. So they're taking this poor kid who... A 16-year-old child who has severe social issues and severe mental handicaps, a low IQ, similar to Jesse Miss Kelly, you know, emotional issues. I'm, he he kind of comes across as he may be on the spectrum, but... He, I can't say that with any certainty. I don't know. But he could be on the spectrum. He comes across like he's on the spectrum. And they're, they're just constantly telling him when he tries to tell them what happened, they say, no, that's not what happened. Try again. Right. That's not what happened. Try again. Right. Keep going until you get what we want here. Come on. Yeah. It, it literally, the whole entire four-hour thing comes across as, I don't know how to say this really the right way, but it comes across as he's trying to tell them what happened as he knows it to have happened. And they keep saying, no, not like that. We want you to tell us the truth, but that's not the truth. You know what I mean? And then what we want you to tell us is this. And then he tells them that. And then ding, 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 they got what they wanted. You know, it's the whole thing. The whole freaking thing is just them prodding and prodding and feeding and feeding. And and there's one point So at this point, they have no idea how Teresa died. They know she died, but they don't know how she died. Or let me rephrase that. They assume she died, but they don't know how she died. Because all they have is bones. They don't know whose bones they are. They don't know anything. Okay? Nothing. So they assume these bones belong to Teresa Halbach. So... They think they know that she died. I'm not saying Teresa's alive, by the way. People are going to come for me on that one. I'm not saying she's alive. I'm just saying that at this moment in time when they are questioning Brendan, they did not know for sure that those bones belonged to Teresa Halbach. So they didn't actually know that Teresa Halbach was dead. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. That's all they had. So they, they're bones, burned bones, zero evidence of... Other than the fact that the body was burned, they don't know cause of death. They don't know any of that. And since they did not have a medical examiner on site, we'll never know how Teresa Halbach died. Did no you? Emmy? No Emmy. They threatened to fire the Emmy if she came out there. Excuse me? <laughs> I knew that would get a rise out of you. We're going to actually cover that in the trial phase. So please keep that in the back of your mind. But the Emmy came forward later saying that she was threatened with arrest and firing if she went out to the Avery property against orders. There was no medical examiner, no, no forensic anthropologists, nobody, nobody. That's highly unusual. It is highly unusual. And that's what she said. The Emmy. That's what the Emmy said. Sorry, that didn't, I didn't mean for that to come out like a joke. That's what the Emmy said. Okay, anyway, highly unusual. But we will cover that in the trial phase because I think it's important. But anyway, 
just all of this poking and prodding and 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 he's trying to tell them that he really he doesn't know anything. He already told them what happened that day and that version never changed and then all of a sudden we're getting you know that Teresa I mean I I honestly don't even want to go into what he was and I'm going to say this forced to say because that's how it comes across to me don't come for me because it's just sick all of it is sick they got him to say that Stephen raped her and then Brendan raped her. And I swear to you, Brendan is not capable of that. All you have to do is look at that kid and you know there's no way, no effing way that he is capable of that. There just isn't. And that he slit her throat and stabbed her in the stomach. And she was chained to Stephen's bed. And then they dragged her out to the garage and killed her in there. But he couldn't say how they killed her. Just that they killed her. So he's saying they slit her throat and stabbed her in the bedroom, chained to the bed? In the bedroom while chained to, naked, chained to the bed. After being raped repeatedly. Okay. Would you like to know what's not inside Steven's trailer? I'm going to guess no blood. No blood. No DNA. From Teresa Halbach. Nothing. Not a hair. Not a skin cell. Not a drop of blood, no vaginal fluids, no pubic hairs, no skin, nothing. So they're masters at cleaning up forensic evidence. Brendan Dassey and Stephen Avery, a 16-year-old boy with a low IQ and a 40-something-year-old man with a similarly low IQ, somehow managed to clean up a horrifically bloody crime scene Better than any crime scene cleanup crew of at least a dozen people, because I've watched those videos. They're fascinating how they clean those crime scenes up. Couldn't get it where luminol got nothing and swabbing got nothing. And I mean, if she was being stabbed repeatedly in the stomach and her throat was slit, there would be arterial spray all over that bedroom. And his bedroom was a mess. Well, if they managed to actually hit the artery in the neck, then yes. But Either that way, probably would have killed ca- her there. You'd get cast off from the knife if she was being repeatedly stabbed in the stomach. I Yeah, I find it and highly improbable that they could do those things and not leave any trace in a, the whole room or any of the objects in the room or, you know, and, and then replace all the mess so it looks like it's perfect. Including dust. They replaced dust in the house and the garage. Well, they're better than I thought. I know. Like, can I, like, man, if I ever need a cleanup of some sort, I'm calling Steven because it's crazy. Like, that's just not possible. The Steven's attorneys have talked to like forensic cleaners, like the ones who go and they're like, all of them have said the same thing. That is not possible. There'd be blood all soaked through that mattress and they cut that freaking mattress open. Nothing. Nothing, not a shred. So even if, hypothetically speaking, Stephen did kill Teresa, I do not believe he did, but let's just say for the sake of the guilters' arguments, he did. It sure as shit didn't happen the way Brendan said it happened. Yeah, there's serious problems with that testimony or that confession. There's no damn way. 
So they drag her out to the garage, apparently, supposedly, allegedly. And um, so they keep prodding Brendan. Something happened in the garage. Something happened in the garage. Something happened in the garage. And he goes, well, she, she was killed in the garage. Well, who killed her? He did, meaning Stephen. And they're like, okay, what did he kill her with? A knife. And they're like, no, that's not what happened. And he's like, uh, I mean, like he can't. <sighs> he's trying to please him, but he doesn't know what to he say. He doesn't know what to say. He has absolutely no idea what to say. So I lost my train of thought. Okay. So then finally, um, cause what the, all they know at this point is based on a analysis of the frag skull bone fragments that were found in the fire pit that it appeared that some of the bones had some circular marks in them that would potentially indicate dying or at least being shot in the head. So they assume at this point that that's how Teresa Halbach died. They don't know that because the bones have been burned to smithereens, but that's what they think, right? So they think, okay, we think, or we know, even though they didn't, that she'd been shot in the head and that's how she was killed. That's, you know, what the, that's the story they're going with anyway. So, so they, they need him to say that. Right. They need Brendan to say she was shot, right? So they keep prodding what happened in the garage, what happened in the garage. And he comes up with a bunch of other shit that had just wasn't what they wanted, nor was it accurate. And finally, I believe it's, is it Wiegert? Yeah, it's Wiegert. Wiegert loses his cool. He's tired. They've been in there for hours. They're not getting squat, really, because they need Brendan to say something that they haven't fed to him. Right. They need him to say something that they they believe is true that they haven't already fed to him. And it's not working. He's not coming up with anything. So finally, Wiegert gets mad and goes, all right, Brendan, I'm going to come out and ask you who shot her in the head. So he fed it to him. He fucking fed it to him. (laughs) He did. No shit, Brendan. Really? Because you sure as shit didn't do it. So he has to pass it off to Steve. It's oh, my God. Okay, so, sorry, I'm getting heated. This is, oh man, I can't even, can't even, I'm not, I'm leaving out stuff, you guys, and I'm doing it on purpose. So if you come for me saying you left this out and you left that, I'm doing it on purpose because I can't handle it. (laughs) I can't, I can't do it. Brendan reminds me too much of my son. I can't handle it. So this poor child has been there already for hours. And so they say, okay, so after Wiegert does that, Fassbender, you can kind of tell he's like, fuck like the one thing we had man you know like he doesn't say that but you can tell that's what he's thinking so they leave for a minute right they're they're like let's take a break and they ask brendan you need a drink you need a sandwich or whatever and he's like no i'm fine and they're like okay so they leave and it's about 30 minutes that they're gone 15 to 30 minutes i can't remember the exact so brendan's poor brendan's just sitting there he's got his head in his hands he's rocking back and forth he's clearly very upset by what they have made him say Well, yeah, the whole thing would be traumatic. Completely. He's not like crying or anything, but Brendan's not much of a crier. Everyone in his family has said that. He just, you can tell he's visibly upset. 
But then he kind of, as they're, the longer they're gone, he kind of relaxes a little bit and he kind of leans back and just kind of humming to himself and whatnot. And then Wiegert pops his head back in and says, it'll just be a few more minutes. Um, are you sure you don't need anything? What? I think we have that clip, don't we? Which one? Oh, God. Yeah. You know what? I'd rather you hear the, it. How long is it going to take clip? I would rather you guys hear it from the horse's mouth and not me because it will make me cry if I have to say it. So play the clip. Hey, Brendan, you need to use the bathroom or anything? You sure? Need anything else? Mm-mm. Sandwich or anything? Did you get your soda? Yeah. Okay. We'll be in about two minutes, okay? I got a question. Though. Sure. How long you... is this going to take? It shouldn't take a whole lot longer. Do you think I can get there before 129? Um, probably not. Uh, What's at 129? Well, I had a project doing six dollars. Okay. We'll worry about that later, okay? All right. I'll be back in a few minutes, okay? Okay. That is hard to listen to. He thinks he's going back to school. He's going back to school. He legitimately thinks after everything he just said. Well, he gave them that they want. They said that's that everything would be fine if he told them what they want. I can't, you guys. I can't. Every time I see or hear that clip, I get simultaneously heartbroken to the point of tears welling up in my eyes and so angry that I want to fly to Wisconsin and rip those cops' heads off. Theoretically. Hypothetically. Not really. But it's a nice dream. (laughs) I can't. I can't. It just goes to show you that not only did he trust them, because they made him trust them by constantly saying, we're on your side, it's going to be okay, everything's fine, yada, yada, yada. But he had no idea. And why would he? He lived in a family that, with a family that, you know, they kind of kept to themselves other than school. And he'd only ever really been surrounded by a few close friends, but mostly his family, like his cousins and his mom and his brothers and, and Stephen and, you know, and his grandparents. And so he didn't have an, a grasp on the real world and how things work outside of the Avery family. It's a very protected environment. Which is fine. I'm not knocking that. I grew up in an environment like that. No, it's fine. It just, it creates a, a level of trust that was... Well, and- Unfortunately, misplaced in this. And it's a smaller town, so you're taught to trust the police. Yeah, that's true. I mean, well, and I mean, let's be real. I was taught to trust the police when I was, I was always told, be respectful. They're there to help you. They're there to protect you. They're on your side. You know, I was grilled into my head for years and now I'm like, fuck that. That's not true at all. Well, also... (sighs) With the, the particular circumstance that already happened to Steve, you'd think there'd be a little bit of eroded trust, but I don't know. Not for Brendan. He he was a kid. He didn't understand any of that. Yeah, he was probably protected for some of that. I am. I can guarantee you Barb protected him from that. And I know Pete would have, which is his dad. So, you know, it. I think those kids were sheltered from what happened to Stephen before. And, you know, that was that. So... That clip always gets me. It hits me right in all the feels, all the feel, all of them. I can't like anger and heartbreak and love for Brent. I just love that kid. I love that kid. And all I want to do whenever I see that, because he looks so like upset, like he can't go back to school and and turn in his project that I just want to like crawl through the TV and hug him, you know, because like 
he just looks like he needs a hug so bad, you know? I still want to do that. Man's 27 years old now. I want to fly over there and hug him. Like, I just, I love him. He's so sweet. And I feel genuinely horrible for him. And um, you're going to feel a lot more horrible when we get to the updates. After we're all done with, with the main case, there's been a lot of updates, including one that happened this week. And it's going to um, make a lot of people really angry. But I don't want to go into it right now because I don't want to get more angry than I already am. So, so anyway, after they come back from uh, this break and they talk to him a little bit more and it's just more of the same, honestly. I mean, like, I don't need to give you guys the gory details. First of all, you can look this all this up on YouTube and watch the whole thing for yourself if you want to. I did. I don't recommend it unless you want to get really mad. But if you want to, go for it. It's there on YouTube ready for you to watch. I also watched uh, two other ones, but we're not going to go into that yet. So after they're finally done and they come in and they basically tell Brendan, well, you know, we have to arrest you because of what you said. And Brendan just kind of nods and they're like, did you figure that was going to happen? And he kind of half nods. Like, I don't think he truly got it at all. But um, I think at this point, he's just stunned. So he doesn't really know what to do. Then they say uh, they do a quick pat down to make sure he doesn't have any weapons or anything. And he doesn't. And they leave the room again. But they let him keep his, like his disc man. He had like a disc man in his pocket. Yes, this is back when disc man was still a thing. It was before iPods, I think. I don't know. When was iPods? Never mind, we're totally getting off topic. But he had a disc man in his pocket and they let him keep it so he could kind of sit there and listen to music while he was waiting for whatever. Um, and he likes, you can tell, you can hear the music because they have like microphones in the room so you can actually hear what's playing. He likes rap music and I love that because I love rap music. So it was, I don't know, it was just cute. For some reason it struck me as cute. And then, okay, I might be mixing up my timing here. Did Barb come in before or after the disc man? I didn't write that down. I don't remember, but they let Barb come in to talk to him and she's understandably shocked. <laughs> this is his mother. Yeah. Um, she has no real idea what's going on. Like, she's like, what, you know, all she's been told is her son was being questioned and now she's being told her son is being arrested for murder, rape, destruction of a corpse. Yeah. <sighs> Lots of bad things. Bad. The worst things that you could be charged with. The worst things you could be charged with. I mean, you know, other than maybe terrorism. It's the worst it gets. So she comes in and she's like, did you do it? And he says, not really. And she says, what do you mean not really? And this will forever be ingrained in my brain until the day that I freaking die. They got to my head. Oh. Mm. You're damn fucking right they got to his head. Oh my God, I can't like... And then she goes, what do you mean they got to your head? And I route... And, and you, I have never seen Fassbender and Uyghur enter a room so fast in my damn life. Like they were clearly listening to whatever was being said. And they wanted to get in there before he said any more to Barb. Before he said any more to Barb and before he said any more with the microphones recording. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. They burst in that room right after he says they got to my head so fast. I've never seen cops move that fast. 
they, I mean, they literally burst through the door. It's, I'm like, interesting timing. It's not interesting. They, it was a joke. I they, was joking. They I was always being monitor facetious. those things. I was being facetious. I know it was on purpose. <laughs> so, uh, so they sit down and Barb starts asking them questions. And she even says, did you do something to him? To the cops. And they're like, no, we, didn't do we just need to get the truth, Barb. And he admitted to blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just. I'm surprised she had the strength not to I try and deck attacked, one. I would have attacked both of them. I would have been in prison right next to Brendan. Because if that was my kid, you know it. If they were doing that to Christian, they'd be freaking dead. No question. I would gladly give my life for my child. Gladly. There's no way. Like, mm. I'm amazed she hasn't killed them. I'm really amazed over the years. But there might be a reason for that that will make everyone very angry, but we're not going to get into that until later. So <laughs> I love giving cryptic little nods to the future, but... You love to tease. I do. It's fun. Anyway, that's Brendan being questioned. And as a result of that, not only was Brendan charged, but they were able to add three charges to Stephen's case, which was... Um, the rape, and, oh gosh, I wrote them down at one point, but we'll get into it in the next one. They were able to add three more charges to Stephen's case and charge Brendan based on his quote-unquote confession, and I use that term very loosely, as loosely as you can use a term. A good day for them. Banner day for the Manitowoc and Calumet County Sheriff's Banner day. We're off the hook for 36 million. Well, like I said before, they had 36 million reasons to make Stephen Avery go away. They clearly couldn't do it on their own because they didn't have enough information. They needed someone else to give them the information that would make them go away. And since there wasn't any information to give, they made it up. At least that's how I see it. it from what you're saying, it looks that way. Now, I don't want to sit here and be a bitch and accuse law enforcement of all kinds of stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't like doing that. I don't like accusing law enforcement of doing these things. But we saw it in the West Memphis 3 case, and we're seeing it here again, that they will do whatever needs to be done to make a case that serves their purposes, not the truth. That is certainly the case for some of them. And it's definitely not all, not even remotely all, but it's enough. But as current events have shown that, you know, you have bad police on the force. Way more than I originally thought. Really depressing, actually. I'm going to end it here because this was a really emotional one for me and I need a minute. So we're going to end it here. And um, if you can't already tell, I love Brendan and all of my support backs Brendan. It will always back Brendan because I believe it is remotely remotely possible that Stephen may have done. I don't really think that, but it, there is a remote, slight, itty-bitty microscopic possibility that Stephen was involved in some way in the death of Teresa Halbach. There is, however, no way that Brendan was involved in any way, shape, or form. And I will stand behind Brendan. I will die on this hill. And he was, I mean, it, it, from what I'm hearing and from what I heard in that interview there, it sounds to me... Like he was just used as a tool and his life was thrown away by those police because it served their purpose. Exactly. That's exactly right. At least that's how I see it. 
in my humble opinion. And it's just sickening. And I will die on the hill of defending Brendan Dessie. I will die on that. I am prepared to die on that hill. So guilters, stay away. Say what you want about Stephen, even though I do support him. There is that remote, slight, tiny chance, but there is zero chance that Brendan was involved in any way, period. And I'm not the only one who believes that. There are millions of people all over the world who believe Brendan was the sacrificial lamb to get at Stephen to save the county $36 million. Yeah, it's just heartbreaking. It, the whole thing really is. But um, yeah, so we're going to start getting into the trial stuff in the next uh, episode. And um, I don't know if we'll be able to cover Stephen and Brendan's trials in the same episode because there's a lot. So I think it'll probably be two separate episodes. But we'll see. I will just see how it goes. Um, I want to really thank you guys for sticking with us for the last month when we were uh, radio silent. I really, really appreciate that. Like I said, my health got in the way and then honestly, my emotions got in the way. So, but I'm back. We're here. We're having a good time. We're talking about important things that need to be talked about. And especially now, I mean, with everything going on in the world now, and it's showing more and more how the police can be incredibly flawed. I think it's even more important to point out that this is not a new problem, you know? Yeah. And I, I would like to say, you know, to our listeners that apologize for the, the break, but like we said, my wife has some health problems and this being a very uh, stressful particular episode for her, stress makes her health problems worse. So we are going to attempt to make this, you know, a regular weekly podcast, but if there is a break, understand that it's for a reason and please just uh, be patient and wait for the next episode. Thank you. Yeah, I promise you this won't be like a regular occurrence, but I cannot in any way promise it will never happen again because unfortunately my health does get in the way of uh, all kinds of things that I want to do uh, quite often, unfortunately. So I really, really appreciate the understanding. I really appreciate you sticking by us. Um, and just waiting and being patient. I didn't see any negative comments or anything on my Instagram or any, uh, yes, we have an Instagram for the podcast as well that was criticizing us for not putting out an episode. So I really, really appreciate that. But yeah, next episode, we'll get on to trial stuff and uh, it gets kind of interesting and really twisty and as if it's not twisty and turny enough already. It gets worse. So <laughs> we will get into that in the next episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you're having a great day or night wherever you are. And we'll catch you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Ultimately, the system works. Consequences. <laughs>